This morning, of course, um, as a senior pastor in the past for 17 years and now getting to speak today because uh, Pastor Scott uh, went to visit his mom and dad, um, so he asked me to speak. He asked me a few weeks ago, but this will be probably the 18th time I have spoke on Mother's Day. Amen. So I'm, uh, I didn't know what kind of a title to put on it because I'm sure I probably have put all kinds of Mother's Day titles on the other 18 or 17. So this one I'm just going to call Mother's Day 2023. And we're going to take our text out of 1 John, the third chapter. So while you're turning there, let me look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to look in your eternal word. We thank you for all you do for us in leading us and guiding us in the way you would have us to go. We need all we can get in the way of help from your word and your spirit. We trust the two witnesses to keep us on track with where you want us to be. So bless this time together. Uh, we pray that you'll just keep it short for us because all the mothers want to get home to prepare a meal for their families or have a meal with their families. So bless our time together in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I know the uh, brother uh, French has kind of set the bar for me. He, he spoke to us for 16 minutes, so I'm going to try to kind of keep up with what the bar has been set at. How's that sound? Amen. No, we'll just let God have his way and, and uh, we'll not worry about the time and the minutes. All right, in John the uh, first, I'm sorry, I'm, it's the Gospel of John, the third chapter. I keep wanting to say first John, but I keep saying it wrong. But in John, the third chapter, it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, we know that ain't going to happen, not on Mother's Day. In verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that which we do know and testify that which we have seen and receive not our witnesses. And ye receive not our witnesses. If I have told you earthly things and you believed them not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Here we have Nicodemus. He was a 
ruler, or I guess it says he was a ruler. He was part of what theologians would call today that study scripture. He was part of what they called the Sanhedrin. He was the upper crust of the religious leaders and teachers of his day. This Nicodemus came to Jesus and wanted to talk to him. He had something on his mind. And he came to him, the scripture says, he came to him by night. Huh, wonder why he came at night. Well, there's probably quite a few reasons. I wrote down just a few of them. Number one, he might have been busy during the day. After all, he was one of the lead teachers in the temple, and the temple was a pretty busy place in the first century, especially for the Jews or those that were orthodox in trying to keep the law and stay on track with where God was leading them. Look at us in the 21st century. Man, we got to work hard to know every day where we need to be to be in God's will. And him being the leader, man, he must have really been busy because they didn't have a Bible. And they didn't have the Holy Spirit living in their heart. They didn't have the access to God that we have. And still for us. At night, sometimes we go, Whew. man, I wish I had the answer to this question, don't we? Because we run into situations all the time. Not only was Nicodemus busy, I would say Jesus was kind of busy. He had 12 little ones trotting after his every footprint. He called them the disciples. Disciples means learners. Everywhere he went, they were trying to learn more and more about what Jesus was teaching. The sad part about it is, with three years of teaching, you would have thought they'd have caught on. They were still a mess at the end when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane and then to Calvary and then rose from the, they had no clue what to do next. They were just so all over the place. The Holy Spirit had to come in and take them, if you would, by the hand or by the heart and lead them where they need to go. So they were <coughs> busy also. Not only that, there's always a crowd around. Wherever Jesus went, did you notice there was a crowd? Especially in the times when he would go to Jerusalem. Every time he went to Jerusalem, man, there were people everywhere. Some of them sick, and some of them just wanting to be close to see what he was going to do. He was a, a really busy with the crowd all day long, it seemed like. So uh, what I wanted to see here in this, Jesus was never too busy, though, for those folks. So the crowd that was around him that kept him so busy, no doubt they were loud they were pressed in together, one upon the other. But it was because um, he was a Jewish leader, he didn't want the others to know about this private, secret meeting with Jesus because his reputation may have been tainted a little bit if the rest of the Jews knew he was listening to Jesus for advice. Amen? Amen. So he came at night. Amen? There's probably several uh, other reasons that he came at night, but those to me, as I studied the Word of God, were pretty much obvious based on some of the background of what's going on. While Jesus was calling all these religious leaders hypocrites from time to time, he was saying parables that pointed them out 
for the mistakes they were making and all the things they were doing that were contrary to what God wanted done. And so to be caught with him in the daytime was probably not a uh, real uh, pat on the back, so to speak, for your reputation. So when Jesus, uh, when Nicodemus speaks to Jesus, he calls him rabbi. You see that there in verse number two, rabbi. You know what that means? In the first century, that meant teacher. That's what it meant. And actually, it was kind of a master teacher or a higher educated teacher. Anybody can be a, a teacher if you say that. But there was the Jews, they did a whole lot of teaching because of a couple of different reasons. One, they didn't have a Bible to take home with them. Amen. They just didn't have one. They had nobody printed Bibles yet. They didn't have printing presses. That didn't come along till centuries later. But what it was in the gospel in those days, they had the scrolls, but they only had certain many copies. And they had to keep them in the temple so that the religious leaders would have access to them so they could tell you how you should live. All right? Can I tell you something? If you listen to somebody else's interpretation of what the Bible says instead of getting it for yourself, you may just be off track a little bit. A lot of people have their own spin they want to put on certain things. And, you know, that's why we have about 25,000 different churches nowadays with different beliefs and different everything. Not even the, the Church of God or the Baptists or the, any of them. They all have their own variations. And you know what that is? That's just man's interpretation of what they're reading. So all these teachings was done, if you would, by word of mouth, by speaking out in the temple especially. And they were preached to them repeatedly and what they heard was what the things they were supposed to be following uh, by those teachers. Now you could tell how close somebody was to God. Everybody knows how close someone is to God by the way they live. Not by what they say, by what they live. Amen? So the word rabbi was somebody that not only taught it, but lived it. And it was a title, not only of teacher or master teacher, but it was a title of respect for that person, for the things they did to make that teaching, uh, if you would, down to earth where we could live it. So we have a fellow here that respects Jesus and wants to ask a few questions of him, but he wants to do it outside the crowd, all alone, by themselves, he wants a personal uh, classroom teaching from Jesus. Now, we can say what we want, but from Nic Nicodemus's viewpoint, Jesus definitely had connections with God. How do we know that? Because he said so. Because the miracles that happened at the hands of Jesus, Nicodemus either saw them or heard about him, amen? You know, there's a blind man that was by the gate of the temple. Jesus touched him, get what he do? Did he go home and take a nap? Oh no, he jumping and leaping, ran through this temple, upset everybody's meetings and everybody's teaching. Probably Nicodemus was right in the middle of one with teaching, and this guy comes bouncing through, shouting and praising God, because he couldn't walk for 38 years and now, Wow, he's ready to roll. 
Amen? Or the blind man. We know what happened in John 9 there, right? He touched his eyes. The disciples wanted to know, who sinned, him or his parents, that he was born blind? I ain't got nothing to do with it, Jesus said. It's so that the miracles that God can do in a person's life will explode in front of everybody. Well, John probably, I mean, Nicodemus probably saw most of those miracles. And if he didn't see them, he certainly heard about them because it seems like every time they did one, boom, it went right through the temple, jumping and leaping and praising God and saying great things about Jesus. Amen. So um, the bad part of it was, believe it or not, we talked about the Ten Commandments yesterday in the men's meeting, and one of them was about the Sabbath day. Well, the reason the Sabbath day is not what we would say really something we jump on and stay, uh, hold on to in the 21st century is because of how men have corrupted it. And guess who started all that? All those Jewish leaders. Now, God said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, right? We learned that yesterday in our, our talk with the men. But now then the Jewish leaders, they started adding this restriction. And that, what is work? You weren't supposed to work. You were supposed to rest on the Sabbath day, right? So they started telling you, pick up sticks on the Sabbath, we'll stone you. Hmm? Those of you that, uh, have a fireplace, you better be careful. Amen. And then there was times when you couldn't pick up more food than you were supposed to. <coughs> when the manna fell from heaven, what were you supposed to do? You go out and get enough just for that day. Up on the sixth day, you had to get enough for that day and the next day because you couldn't work on the seventh. Huh? Wow. All these rules and regular, and you know what they got down to it? Um, the history tells us they finally got down to it. How far you can walk without walking, without working, sorry. You know what it was? They came down to five-eighths of a mile. They had it measured out. That's what it about comes out to. You were allowed to go so far. I don't know what you did if you needed one more step to get in the house and you ran out of steps. You were in trouble. Amen. I guess you slept on the front porch. Amen. They had all kinds of regulations and every one of them, Jesus broke. I told the brethren, your scriptures, your Bible will tell you how many times Jesus committed sin. How many? Zero. And yet, he healed on the Sabbath, which was breaking the Sabbath if you looked at it through the Jewish teaching eyes. Not what God said, not what the Bible says, not what God was teaching, but through the interpretations of another teacher over centuries of time. And, and Jesus, if you would, he'd always look around before he did a miracle on the Sabbath and say, hey guys, is it okay if I heal this man's withered hand? And they wouldn't answer him. You know why? Because they wanted to see the man's hand that was withered restored whole again, but they also knew it was a Sabbath day. So they couldn't condone it or that would be disqualifying the teaching they're putting forth. You get that point? Well, here's a Jewish leader that comes to Jesus and he wants to see more miracles from him or he even would like to have the power to do them himself. Amen? All right. 
but they always were a great benefit for somebody else. Did you notice Jesus never did a miracle for himself? Huh, wonder why God gave him that power, if you would, or that authority, and he doesn't give it to you and me. Amen. I know people that I've talked to, every time I talk to this one fella, is there anything I can do for you? You know what he tells me? Tell me the winning numbers of the lottery for tomorrow. Yeah, well, that'd be a miracle if I could do that, right? But I think that's pretty much a selfish reason. I don't think God's interested in giving somebody the power to make themselves uh, millionaires or whatever. Amen? It's because if you or I could do those kind of miracles, we'd do them for ourselves. We'd pat our own selves on the back. I know, I, there are times I don't even want to get out of bed and I'd just sat, pat myself on the back with a miracle and everything that I needed to do that day would be done automatically and I wouldn't have to get out of bed. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Well, that's not the way God wants to operate. All right, but anyway, the fact that Jesus' popularity was known by everybody because of his care for those that, if you would, were in dire straits, his care for the little people and the, the volunteers following in his disciples' footprints in the crowds, he wanted to make sure he did what he could for everybody he could. But Nicodemus... Uh, the greatest miracle was about to happen to him. In verse number three, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Now you can take that statement and you'll find it several times in the Gospels and even other places where they use the verily, verily, I say unto you. Amen. That really is an attention getter. Amen. So Jesus wanted to give Nicodemus some teaching, but it's not the teaching he probably came to get. Amen? Verily, verily, I say unto you, just those words in those days was a wake-up call. Amen? Today, we'd probably say, pay attention. This is very important. Don't miss this point. Make sure you get it. We would say it in those terms. In Jesus, when he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, that's what he's saying. So now, Nicodemus is all ears. He's on the edge of his seat. He's got his pencil and paper out. He's ready for what Jesus says. And Jesus makes a statement that Nicodemus, even as the teacher he's been to the Jews, has never heard before. And this statement in the rest of earthly eternity will be so significant that there will be many lessons taught on it as well as many books written about it because of the extreme importance of this statement. So verily, verily, pay attention. Once Jesus puts the word born into the statement, he didn't even get to the born again yet. When Nicodemus heard that, born, well, you know, to a Jew, the most important thing was, what family was you born in? Where's your heritage? Are you related to Abraham or David or Solomon or any other Old Testament king? Is your history traceable? You know why that was so important to the Jews? 
because they felt like that's what God thought was important. If you can trace yourself back to those leaders, you can go a little farther and trace yourself even right back to God. Did you know that? You can read that in the first couple chapters or the first chapter of Matthew and, and in Luke's gospel. They have the heritage in there that proves that Jesus had a relationship all the way back to those leaders and that he was a true Jew. Because anybody else that wasn't a Jew, well, you don't, you, you don't count. In the first century thinking, so to speak, or even Old Testament thinking, you had to be of the line of Abraham or the line of David, and that would get you in touch with God. Well, Jesus was about to turn that thinking around. Amen? When he said born to Abraham, boy, Nicodemus could say, I can show you my heritage right from the tree, right all the way back to where I'm supposed to be. Amen? Well, uh, we know it's all about your relationship with God and not your inheritance to a man somewhere on that particular her uh, uh, tree, generational tree. People can lie about their heritage, but you can't lie about your relationship to God. Amen? Amen. To tell you the truth, it seems adoption just might be, in some cases, better than heritage. Huh? I've seen people that their parents didn't turn out to be the best parents they should have had. You know? And there are, we have now court systems or whatever you want to call them, uh, children's services, or that step in and have to take the children from those, if you want to say, unfit parents and give them to parents that want to raise them in the way they should go and treat them right and get them what they need so that they can be potentially the best they can be in this world. Amen? That happens. And so I don't want to say my heritage is what made me the greatest because it, it could have been better. Amen? Could have been worse. Amen? But if I'm looking to God, that's the best I can get. Amen? Amen. But even adoption and fostering, if you would, has its horror stories in it. But there are uh, bad relationships in the born-again stories also, if you don't watch yourself. And the relationships we have with God is always perfect on God's part. If you're born again, you got the right roots to grow the relationship you need because you're connected with God. If we're not up to date with God, it's not God's fault. You remember that? Amen. I always said you're as spiritual as you want to be. Amen? Because God ain't going to change. He's going to be there if you need him. Then we see in verse number four, we see the surprise and confusion that was apparent when Jesus said unto him uh, about being born again. And he answers in verse four, how can a man be born when he's old? Again, he's thinking of a natural birth. But Jesus was talking about a spiritual birth. This spiritual birth is what we've been hearing quite a bit about uh, here in the sanctuary only it was been called transformation 
That's what being born again starts. It starts your transformation. And again, in verse three, Jesus said, without this born again experience, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Huh, did you know that? You can't even see it, let alone know about it, let alone walk in it, let alone promote it to other people. You don't even see it, amen. Amen. So Nicodemus was very interested in the kingdom of God, especially the part that he couldn't see. And Nicodemus would have readily stood to his feet and told Jesus, yeah, you're right, I don't see it. I don't know what you're talking about when you talk about the kingdom of God. Now, if you want to talk about the Ten Commandments, I know all ten of them. I can quote them to you if you want me to because I'm a great teacher of the Old Testament. Now, I know all the Levitical laws. I know all that stuff in the Old Testament. But kingdom of God, where'd that come from? What's that mean? He had him on the edge of his seat, if you would, at that particular point. Amen. Now Jesus tells him where his vision on the subject has been hindered. If you know that you should be born again, that's going to affect your sight, Nicodemus. You'll be able to see things you never saw before if you'll just be born again. Nicodemus still is sitting there. I can see him with his big eyes bugged out, scratching his head, you know. That's why his, flat, his forehead was flat and his nose was crooked because he went, I didn't see that. Well, that's how it works sometimes. Amen. So we need to know that being born again affects your sight, and it will make you see things that you never saw before. When you was born naturally, your sight had to develop. It's something, isn't it? Do you know they came, even like you ever watch, I know we don't look at babies that way a lot of times. We look at cats and dogs. Once they're born, they're just a little bitty thing. Oh, they're so cute, right? And we always talk about, well, it'll just be a few days and their eyes will be open. Huh. I wonder why children are any different. Huh, well, they're the same way. They may have eyelids that go up and down, but their vision is not grown or matured to where it can take into the sights that they need to see. That's what happens when we're born naturally. But then Jesus goes a little farther in verse number five. Jesus again uses the verily, verily. Remember what I told you that means? Pay attention. And then he tells him that there are um, two separate borns that need to happen in a person's life. One of water, one of spirit. Or one natural and one supernatural. Amen? After the spiritual birth, he said that in verse number three, you can see the kingdom of God. Here in verse number five, he says after this spiritual birth, you can enter the kingdom of God. You think Nicodemus was interested in being in the kingdom of God or did he just want to see it? Huh? Well, now you know. That's what you ladies do when you pull in the parking lot at the mall. You don't want to see the mall. You want to enter the mall. <laughs> Amen? There's a big difference, isn't there? Amen. So here we have, uh, just to clarify, Nicodemus in verse number six, uh, or Jesus says to him, that which is flesh is flesh. 
That which is spirit is spirit. You're going to have to know the difference, Nicodemus, if you want to have the clarity of the kingdom of God in your life. Amen? So we see that these are two distinct, different things that have similarities in the direction they take a person in life. But you have to know what each one's position is in your life. At this point in the conversation, Jesus knew that this new truth had totally went right past him as he spoke on it. He didn't get it. He didn't understand it. He didn't marvel at it. He didn't do anything. So in verse number uh, seven, he says, marvel not. Huh. That, you know, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Brother Jack White used to say, it's the only ye must in the New Testament. Amen? Ye must be born again. I don't know if that holds total water, but uh, I understand that that's a, a prerequisite to having your eyes open and to having your heart open to God is to be born again by his word and his spirit. So when we see these things going on in verse seven, marvel not, don't overthink the situation is what I'm thinking he was trying to get to Nicodemus because if your heart's not ready, you still won't see it or you won't be able to enter into it. Amen? It won't happen anyway unless you get your heart right with God. I see too many people make a head decision and not a heart decision when it comes to the things of God. Amen? Just know this, that if you want to see and you want to enter the kingdom of God, ye must be born again. Amen? If you don't understand it, Take a natural picture of it. Jesus uses verse number eight to do that. A lot of the time Jesus would teach things like sowing seed. He would teach about birds flying and building nests. Why do they do that? Uh, why do chickens, why does she put her wings over her brood when danger comes? Those are all things he used from the natural world to teach spiritual things. And he says being born against like the wind Amen? You can't see it, but you can see the effects of it. Amen? You can't control it either. I know there are some people who think uh, if we pay enough taxes, they'll be able to control the weather for us. They tell us what to eat and where to go and how to, what to drive or not drive, and, and uh, they'll be able to control the wind. Amen? They'll know when it's going to rain, and it won't be when your tea time is on the golf course. It'll be some other time. Amen? So we need to see everybody likes a nice breeze. I sat on my back porch yesterday, fixed some dude burgers. Bonnie put some other stuff with it together, and we had a fantastic meal with the family in. Two different members of my family said, you need to put ceiling fans in the roof of your porch. I said, what for? Oh, it'd be so cool, the fan would... I said, well, just stop and feel. Oh, there's a breeze going through, isn't it? Why do I need to spend money on a fan? That didn't make sense to me. But they both insisted if I'd put fans on my back porch, it'd be so much better. You know what they think? You can control the wind. Huh? They can't. And Jesus knew, Nicodemus even knew, he can't control the wind either. 
because a nice breeze does feel nice, but the wind can get out of control. It can cause a lot of havoc. Amen. It can blow in and blow up a lot of things. And I'm sure under the building codes of the first century, there's probably some winds that would come through and do a lot of destruction. Amen. Tornadoes and all that could tear up a lot of things. My dad used to say a tornado once went through our hometown and did $10 million worth of improvements. Amen. The wind can take charge and do a lot of things, but it's all under God's control. So is the Spirit of God. So is the Spirit in your heart. It's under God's control. So look in verse number 12, and Jesus concludes with this. I tell you of earthly things, and you don't believe. How can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things that are absolutely based on your faith and your belief? If you don't have faith and belief, you're not going to believe the heavenly things, and it's even going to take that for you to believe the earthly things because you can't look at the wind and, and predict it. You have to take it by faith. You have to believe it. And it's based on, if you would, experience, so to speak. But it's still God's way of getting to you. So Jesus continues his teaching there in the third chapter of John. But never again after that does Nicodemus' name get mentioned, either by Jesus or in question from Jesus. So uh, once those questions, if you would, were kind of put out there, Nicodemus may have started sliding his way towards the door or to the back of the crowd or somewhere hanging his head kind of low because he knew the greater teacher is the one that needs to be speaking in this particular setting and not him with his questions as how can I go back in my mom's womb and be born again? That's kind of a dumb question, isn't it? Especially most of us that would think that we're bigger than our mom to start with. Amen, that wouldn't work at all, would it? But be sure he wanted us <coughs> to have the food for thought for the things he was teaching. Now, don't worry about Nicodemus. Those of you that think he just slipped off and didn't follow Jesus and didn't know him. Now, there are some people that hear the truth of the word of God or the truth from the spirit of God, and they may come to church one, and you may not see him again for a while. But I can tell you, they don't forget what the Spirit of God said to their heart when they were here. Now it may take them a year or two for things in their life to develop uh, for the understanding of reading God's word or whatever the Spirit, how it wants to move in there may take them a while before they come back around. Nicodemus came back around because we can go into the New Testament show you he was one of the two that took Jesus' body off the cross and put it in the tomb. Did you know that? Yes, he was. Now, he didn't own the tomb. Joseph of Arimathea did, but Nicodemus and Joseph took him down, properly wrapped him in linens, and put him in the tomb uh, that we know only lasted three days, but it was an important part of God's plan. So Nicodemus, if you would, let the Spirit of God boil over in his heart for a little while, and when it came time for him to act, he stood up and act. Amen? So don't get worried about people. You think, oh man, I wish they'd get saved. I wish they'd get saved now. 
That's up to God. And don't worry about it. God will take care of it when it's the right time for them to be what they need to be for Jesus. Amen? Oh. So, this morning, listen to what the Spirit has to say to your heart. Amen? Listen to what he has to say to your heart, your faith, your belief, and your hope, and allow them to guide you to the birth that allows you to not only see the kingdom of God, but enter into it. Amen? But none of these things would be possible without the first birth. Hmm. Mother's Day 2023. We need to be thankful for our first birth. Because without the natural birth of the water that Jesus spoke about, or the earthly birth, if you want to call it that, there'd be none of us sitting here to begin with. So we need to accept that birth, and then we can come from that natural birth and look to the guidance God has for us for our spiritual birth. Amen? Don't think you can sidestep the natural part and just go right in. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have the body? We just had a spirit bouncing around? Well, that's for the next life. I'll just tell you that right now. Amen? But all of us now, how many of you got a sore somewhere on your body today? Yeah, don't even tell me. Amen, we all know about that. We all have our aches and our pains and our problems and our situations in the physical. But we need to get beyond that and allow God to speak to us in the spiritual. Amen? Let's take time to say thank you to our natural mothers today. And to say thank you to God for the great creative plan that he put in place that allows all of us to be here anyway in the first place. Amen. For many of us, our natural moms have already passed on. Nothing we can do about that. That was God's plan. And they're not here for us to say thank you, mom. Thank you for all you did for us. But we also understand that God said in the, the fifth of the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. How about that? We should do that whether it was Mother's Day or Father's Day or any other day. The Bible says we should do that to honor them. Whether they're alive or not alive, we still have the duty to honor them in the way what we live based on what they taught us of the things of God. Amen? Let me just say this about the commandment. To them, heritage was everything. Remember, I taught you that from the beginning. It's a, a heritage is also important to God. You know how I know that? Because he got to handpick your mom for you and your dad as far as that's concerned. But today's Mother's Day. Amen. God handpicked them. And God expects you to honor them because he picked them just for you. Isn't that something? Wow. So to show your love and respect for your mom on Mother's Day and every day, you need to be showing your respect to God for making them your mother and your father. You see how the heritage works? Amen. That's how it works. God has always stood up for heritage in that regard. Without the first birth, the second birth would have never happened. We know that. I like the thought of born again because it shows that you're going to have a new beginning, a new start. When you were born, that was a brand new start. 
in your life. Amen? I like to think of it as driving a stake in the ground when you get born again. Now, all the things you did in the past, they're not going to be erased because you're born again. You still have a past. Amen? If you got saved and had a bad back, you're going to have a bad back after you get saved, unless God moves on you. Amen? If you had, a, had brown hair when you was born, and then you get saved, you're still going to have brown hair, unless you go to somebody that won't tell any secrets on you. Amen? I'm glad I got the color I got. I went to my barber, and she cut my hair, and she was talking about having to color somebody's hair. And I said, well, I like my color. She said, you know what? There are people that ask me to make their hair your color, and I can't do it. Huh, so evidently this is a rare color. You can't match it for some reason. Oh, well. All right. I earned every one of them. I know that. Amen. Well, when we drive that stake in the ground, it's from that point forward that we're going to stand accountable for. Because everything beyond that stake, Jesus has taken care of with his sacrifice on Calvary's hill. Amen? The sacrifice that he gave us took away the sin of our past. And from when we drive that stake in the ground and be born again and move forward, now we've got to be careful we don't mess up because those mess-ups, if you would, have to stand underneath the born-again experience. I like to, to think that we're going to do better after we're born again than we did before we were born again. Is that anybody else's testimony? Amen. If you're not doing better now after having Christ come into your heart than you did before, wow, I don't know how your thinking goes or how your theology works, but that doesn't make sense to me. Amen. If being born again doesn't change your life and mark a new start for you to move into the future, you need to get another thought on how to be born again. The past is unchangeable. The future's wide open. Amen? The future is what makes you what you're going to be when you stand before God. So we need the help of the two witnesses. What are they? The Word of God and the Spirit of God are the two witnesses Jesus left us here. And when we were born again, those two witnesses need to have a total impact in your life to be what you need to do. We need to embrace our past. We even need to embrace our heritage. Even if your dad was a skunk. Hey, it don't matter. That's in the past. We can move on. But what brought us to where we are when we met Jesus is what really we need to take root in. And that starts us down, if you would, the transformation trail we've been hearing so much about. Many things in our past were shaped by our mothers. I see people do things today, and I can tell you who their mother was. I can just do that. I went back to a high school reunion a few years back, and I saw some people there. I said, I don't know who that kid is, but I know who his mom and dad are because of the way they act, because of the way they look. Amen? Because I grew up next to them for 12 years in school, and I knew how their moms and dads act, and when I see their actions, huh, how about that stuff? Now, they couldn't believe I was a preacher, so evidently the born again must have took place 
They didn't see my mom and dad, they saw my heavenly father. When you're born again, you get to display a different set of uh, things in your life that show who your parent really is, amen? So what we need to do is make sure that what we're doing will bring us to the place where we could carry on in the life that God wants us to have in representing him through his word and through his spirit to be the child of God he wants us to be. Amen? Amen. Well, happy Mother's Day. And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it.